Welcome to Infinite Possibilities, the Game Changer series with me, Dr. Marina Nani and Rich Human Magazine. If you look around and wonder how some people are so successful, so quick, while others still struggle, perhaps it's time to find out the inside story of personal brand strategies. Every story brings a new perspective, greater truths that sit at the core of personal branding. We go around the world together and talk with influencers, elite leaders, visionaries, artists, scientists, icons, and everyday heroes about the intentional decision to influence the public perception of their uniqueness and access infinite possibilities. Welcome to Infinite Possibilities. Thank you for joining your story, Create Your Future. Sharon felt like her life was completely shattered and she is going to talk to us about how she was going to change her future without knowing that it's even possible. Welcome, Sharon. Please tell us, what is the story behind your book? Hello, Dr. Marina, and thank you. I unfortunately lost my husband nearly 20 years ago now when I was 39 and had two young children at the time. My children were five and seven. And my seven-year-old, my son, he's got complex special needs. So even before losing my husband, life was very challenging just with my son. And my husband had terminal cancer of the pancreas. He, It's never been known, actually. He had it when he was 26 and he was actually 41 when he died. So he had it for 14 years. He was in remission from it, which I don't think it's been known, actually. Average people cancer of the pancreas, they go... A year, two years, and five is like tops. But my husband did, went 14 years in remission, which is just incredible. But when it happened and he did finally lose his life, I was just so totally lost, broken, and shattered. Didn't know how I was going to... I just didn't know how I thought, how could I live my life without my best friend, my husband, and my soulmate? I got so, so stuck in my grief for so, so long. And... I just didn't want to be here anymore. It wasn't like the fairy tale wedding. You'll live to an old age. And obviously someone's going to die before the other one, but you live to an old age. I was 39 and he was 41. And I just said for so long, why me? Why me? Why me? But I can actually now see why me. And I can actually see, I see it as a gift actually in a way, because I can now help others that are grieving. Um, I never loved myself, never believed in myself, never valued myself, and I now do. And I think it was about five years after losing my husband, my neighbour, who was a counsellor, and there was an advert in our local paper for a charity that was looking for a bereavement therapist. And I said, I can't do that, I can't do that. She said, yes, you can, Sharon. And they gave you a very small training. It was like a six-week training. And I was absolutely terrified when I, the very first client I went to, and wow, I felt like I just got a good feeling because I felt like I was helping somebody in that darkest place. I then went on and trained, and I am a counsellor, psychotherapist, a hypnotherapist, life coach, and naturopath, and a very, very proud author. I know what my purpose is in life, 
and that is to help people that are grieving. This is such profound transformation that you had to experience. And as you said, now you understand that everything that happened to you happened for you. So you could fulfill your passion of helping others. And yet it's been a long journey and you lived through fear and sadness for many, many years. And at some point you understood that is your story. You can change your story by helping others because your story is about helping others. Looking back, the way you managed to find joy and even happiness throughout this sadness, what do you think kept you going? A lot of people suppress their feelings and turn to some sort of addiction. Could be drinking, could be alcohol. Some people turn to drugs. Mine was food and sugar. So every emotion I ever felt, I fed with sugar. And that is just, I just suppressed all my emotions. I didn't physically feel them. And I gave up sugar in 2020. And when we went into the pandemic, I actually said I would rather die than give up sugar. Chocolate, actually, not sugar. I said I'd rather die than give up chocolate. And, oh, my God, I gave up chocolate and it is the best I've ever felt. I now feel inner peace, inner joy and inner happiness. I also went into two toxic relationships, which I thought I was happy at the time, but they were narcissistic relationships. And once I came out of those, I began to find me. And I started doing personal development and it's taken me a long time, but I now have found me and feel inner peace now. I suppose I've been through, I did live in fear for so long. I was scared of my own shadow, but because I suppose when I was trained as a counsellor, you're told never to give any, tell anything about you. Obviously you tell people your name, but you don't tell them your story. And obviously when I do see clients, it's not about me, but when they say things that resonate with me, I always to explain that I've been through that process and everybody's unique and everybody grieves differently. But I do believe that sharing some of my story with people helps them to open up more to me as well. Going back to to your book, Without, with kids. Yeah. How was that experience? I wrote that in 2020. Now, that would have been my husband. He was 41. He would have been his 60th birthday that year. And I first started writing as a tribute to him. And halfway through, I got the light bulb moment thinking, wow, this book can help others that are grieving. Because I talk about the grieving process and the stages that you go through and dealing with young children and lots of other things like that to help people move forward with their lives in healthy ways. I never ever, my whole life, I'd never meditated, I'd never done journaling, but I can now see why it's so important to do those things. It's so important to move forward with your life in healthy ways. You never get over losing your loved one. And people say the hardest thing or the, the saddest things to you, you'll get over it, it's been X amount of time, or you should be over it by now. And for me, because I was young, people would say, oh, you'll meet a new partner, the children will have a new daddy. And I thought, yeah, I could possibly meet somebody, but the children would never have a new daddy. But their father died. So it was, it was a very difficult journey. And lots of people, like my mother-in-law said to me, 
don't ever cry in front of the children. And I didn't agree with that. And I always cried with my children and they are the same with me. And I think if you suppress your emotions from your children, they will then hide their emotions from you. So I do believe it's important to be honest with children. Obviously, older children, it's harder because teenagers don't want to talk to their parents, etc. And obviously, everybody is different and every family situation is different. But for me personally, that is how I dealt with my children. You are saying that what brought you closer to your higher purpose was being in service to others. And you dedicated your energy, your time to help others. And that led you to a very profound connection with your own higher power. How you seen yourself in the future? How do I see myself in the future? I want to be doing what I'm doing now and helping people that are grieving to move forward with their lives in a healthy way. I never wanted to be on my own and I now couldn't be happier on my own. I've literally completely different. My husband wouldn't recognize, I don't mean recognize me physically, but he wouldn't recognize the person I am now. And I actually wake up someone and think, I don't know who I am. It's just like, this isn't me or this isn't the old me. No, that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> I am a new me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I couldn't be happier now in my own body. My energy, oh, I've got a red connection. Oh, it's gone. I've got my energy. Everything has changed to me. I'm loving. I was just existing in the world before and I'm now loving living in the world and loving my life. I can see you are very happy. Everything is right in front of you. What unleashed your superpower? That's a very good question, Dr. Marina. To be honest, I'm not sure. I suppose I started doing personal development and organically happened. I've started meditating, journaling, not listening to my the voices in my head, listening to my heart. And I've let go of so many people. I call it like my bus. I had so many toxic people on my bus, including family members, and I've now let them go from my life because they were causing me so much stress and anxiety. My mother-in-law always used to say to me, oh, blood's thicker than water, like when I, my family, because they, they basically disowned me. And now I've disowned them. I've moved away from them because it just gave me more stress. You've been through very, very dark times. And yet, look at you now, redesigned. You reimagine your story as you are entering your future with confidence and you walk tall, you know your worth, you know what is possible and you understand your passion. For our listeners to understand how you took control of your own life, how was the process of discovery of who you are and understanding your true worth? Everybody is so different. I think where my seed was planted, I started studying homeopathy quite a few years ago now. And that's where I think, yeah, that, I honestly believe that's where my seed was planted. And I don't use anything. I used to take, if I had a headache, I'd take paracetamol or Nurofen. If I had an upset tummy, I'd take something else. If I had a cold, I'd take something. So I would always take conventional medicines, but started learning homeopathy and I stopped taking conventional medicines. So that was like the first withdrawal of toxicity. And I now believe in more holistic things happened organically and naturally and 
there was no set way that you can say you, I did something. It just sort of, again, that happened organically too. And there's another thing as well, actually, I hated myself in photos, would never look at myself in the mirror, so to speak. And I had some professional photos taken. And actually, one of them is, is me in this picture. And I have, in fact, lost two stones since that picture was taken. But again, it was like seeing myself in a different light to how I thought I saw myself. So I think it's we all get stuck in our head and listening to those voices in our head. But I now don't listen to the voices. In, well, I can't say, I won't say don't listen to them. I don't listen to them as much. Like everyone's got 50, 60,000 thoughts a day. But I try and refocus and I just say, thank you, but I'm not listening to those thoughts anymore. And then I defocus and refocus on something else. So I think that, again, has had a big change in me, too. Is that making sense to you, Dr. Marina? Am I answering your question? Totally, totally, totally. I see you had the courage to follow your heart and follow your intuition and understand that you reimagine your life, you reinvent yourself, you rewrite your story. What do you think is the role of your story when you build your business? What is the role of your story when you create a space for other people where they could find solution to their own challenges? Everybody is so different and everybody's journey is so different. I also believe to be in the now rather than think about what was and what is going to happen. There's no set path. I do believe it's not about the destination, it's the journey in life too. It depends on what people's goals are. In, in your own experience, I remember you mentioning that you've been advised not to share your own story. <laughs> what happened when you start sharing your story? What happened once you publish your book? I had zero confidence and was always in the audience listening. I wouldn't share and I'd share in small rooms, but I would never get up on the big rooms and share. And eventually, I don't know that. It, the confidence came to me and as a child I was always told little girls should be seen and not heard and I think that's where that came from. I was always frightened, didn't have the confidence to speak out but when I did speak out and I said that I'd written a book and I'd given up chocolate and different things, people said, oh you've so inspired me, I'm going to start writing my book and I, this year I hopefully will write a second book because like I think the title will be something like Grief Changes You because grief has really changed me. You know, I got so stuck in my grief for so long and now I honestly feel I can, there is light at the end of that darkest, darkest tunnel and I feel I can help others to find the light. Grief isn't linear, it's a very, very dark spiral and I got so stuck in that spiral but I'm out of that spiral and free and it's so empowering. And yes, I do want to help others. That's so beautiful, Sharon. <laughs> you are saying that sharing your story helped you keep moving forward towards that light that you found in your own heart and become the, the light on somebody else's dark hour. And you are keep opening these new doors and doing new things and writing books and speaking and because you are very curious <laughs> about what is down this path and it is not about the destination it's about the journey who you yeah. become 
And uh, I can see from your beautiful shares the, the desire to, to find out more about who you could become. <laughs> and most people feel stuck in, in, in the past simply because they can't exit the past. And that perhaps is a breakthrough moment when that happens. Could you share with us breakthrough? What happened when you managed to finally understand the past belongs in the past? It must be left there. Now is your time to move forward, to keep opening these doors. Well, it doesn't have to be left there, but if it's a negative past and you keep going back to it, I believe you then can't go forward or you can't, you don't grow anymore. I will never, ever forget what happened to my husband and he will always have a huge part in my life and in my heart. And just actually thinking the hardest thing for me was when we actually got to the hospice late. I phoned me and said, you've got to get here quick. My husband had already died by the time we got there. To see my seven-year-old daughter get into bed with her father who had died was just heartbreaking. It's funny because he always used, often used to phone me in the Stevie Wonder song, I just called to say I love you. He'd often sing that to me. And I do remember the first it was about a year or a few months to a year after he died. I remember getting in a lift in a shopping centre and the lift was jam-packed full and that song came on and I just could not control my tears. I was sobbing my heart out. I know I was talking about it. because, And then I was driving home today and I was on a call with some ladies and that song came on and I was singing away and it was wonderful to hear. So it's things like that that change when you can move forward and appreciate the good memories rather than them really, really hurting you. That helps. It will certainly help me. If you have any tips for our listeners, how they could overcome the, the challenge of losing somebody and how they could survive those challenges. Well, the best thing to do is if you, if you can find a therapist um, that you can speak to, that, as I'd say, is the, the most important thing. Because when you, with friends and family, you can sort of talk to them a bit, but you can't keep repeating yourself. Because many people that are grieving, they do, do tend to sort of keep repeating themselves. So it's often easier, or not easier, but better to speak to a therapist, somebody that doesn't know you and is non-judgmental and empathic with you. That, I would say, is number one. But also to meditate if you can and journal your feelings. So however you're feeling to write down your feelings. So you can have a journal for nice things, but all the the BS that's going on in your head, however angry you're feeling, guilty, however you're feeling, if you write it down, because when those thoughts are out of your head on paper, they're not in your head. But the one thing I would say is don't go back and read it. So write it on a scrap of paper or in a book, but don't go back to read it, because when you go back to read it, you're putting the thoughts back in your head. So you can either burn it or throw it away, you know, whatever you want. But I wouldn't go back to reading it. Those two things I'd say are like the most important things when you start going through the grieving process. I mean, people do suffer a lot of, it's usually shock in the beginning, but then um, a lot of anger, guilt, depression. But it's when you can finally reach the acceptance stage is when you can move forward with your life. I'm also a coach, a life coach as well. So I, I do help my clients as well as dealing with their grief and the grieving process. 
I then help them to move forward with life in life in healthy ways. Tell us more about moving forward in a healthy way. And I think if you do have a therapist, somebody who can help you see you weekly um, and then can help you to move forward. So to help you, because I did have my last client that she'd lost her husband. When she told me her story, it was like she was telling my story. And it was quite unreal, actually, because it was so identical. Same age where I was, her children were practically the same age. And she couldn't go anywhere near the hospital. I remember one day she said to me that they had to go into London for something and they drove past the hospital and she just broke down. So I actually set her a target that week. I said, it's going to be really, really difficult for you. I just want you to go to the hospital and go in. I said, and if you can, if there's a coffee shop, if you can go and have a coffee and bless her, she did. She went in, she went and had a coffee and she even saw some staff that were there when her husband was there and she had a hug with them and she phoned me afterwards crying in a good way to say thank you because she said she would never have done it if I hadn't have encouraged her to do it. So it's things like that. So she said she would never have been able to do it. She couldn't even drive past the hospital. But because I said to her, I want to challenge you to do it, it's not going to be easy. And she did it. And I was so proud of her. So it's little things like that, that if someone's not telling you to do it, because she said she would never have done it if I hadn't have told her. Things like that. I knew my husband was terminally ill. I knew if I'd have waited till after he died, I wouldn't have been able to clear his clothes from the wardrobe. And I actually did it before he died. But that is one of the hardest things for people to do when they've lost a loved one to then clear their clothes out. And I did take it into a charity shop and it was one that was in my local high street. And it was every time I walked past the shop or drove past the shop, I couldn't look in the window. So I'd also suggest things like take it to somewhere that's out of your area that you don't shop in regularly. I remember the first time I went shopping. After he died, I still bought stuff that he would have eaten. I remember throwing it against the wall one day. So it's little things like that, that I would sort of talk to people that what happened to me to help them. Thank you so much for being so kind and going to memories that are still difficult to describe. How writing and publishing your story helped you? throughout this process, overcoming that fear of discovering your future self? Well, writing it, I thought I was, I really thought I would be fine. But like I said to you a bit earlier, that I was literally sobbing my heart out on some days when I was writing some chapters. So writing is, is immensely healing, whether you're going to write a book or just journaling. It's really, really helpful. Um, and I know it will help others. And another thing as well, which I didn't say just before, with children as well, to make a memory box. So just keep little things that would for memory for them. And um, also for adults, keeping a memory box is also a good thing. And writing letters as well. So it's like on special, on birthdays, on Christmas, you know, Easter, whatever occasions, just write a letter to your loved one saying whatever you want to say. My daughter still does that as well, and she's now 27. Oh, another hard thing to do as well, it's like things like passport, driving license. All these things have got to be sent back and changed, and things like death certificates, you can't send photocopies. So I always advise people to get a couple or two or three because you can't send copies to people like with banks and things like that. 
I also remember the things like going to occasions on your own. It's like I remember going to a it was a wedding or an engagement party, and I couldn't go two two occasions. I got invited to things, and I just couldn't go. I didn't want to be sitting on my own, even though there'd be other people, but they'd be in couples. There's always like an empty chair next to you, sort of thing, or going to friends for dinner. And a lot of friends I fell out, not fell out with, but they sort of drifted away because they're a husband and wife. The wives get worried because I was young, etc. And friendships change. It's a, a huge, huge change. It's not a pleasant journey that we have to go through when we lose a loved one so young. But there is light at the end of that tunnel, though. But it just took me a long time to find it. <laughs> As a widow myself, I find it difficult to ask you more questions. But uh, oh, please do. <laughs> but uh, with your permission, I would ask a very difficult question. When changing your status, friends drifted away, and everything in front of you was very different. Uh, suddenly, you weren't just a woman on your own, a mother raising her own children by herself, but you are somebody that most people are afraid of being with, being young and beautiful. What role that played in your own story? How your life changed? Your status? It was very difficult. I was a mum and a dad to my two children. And I used to take my daughter to school. People would cross the road rather than speak to me. And, you know, people would often say things, silly things like, oh, I know how you feel. I got divorced last year. And I used to think to myself, well, your children have still got their father. My children haven't. And I'd often sort of be walking along the street and you'd see sort of a mum and dad and two kids. And I think, why, why them? Why have I lost my husband? He was such a good man. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He gave to charity regularly. But there was obviously another reason, which I don't know why. Well, actually, no, thinking about it, I do know why, so that I can now help others. But at the time, you think, well, why, why him? But you think, well, why did they take such a good man? I lost my faith totally. I mean, I was never religious, but I am Jewish, but I lost any faith that I ever had because I used to say if there was a God there why did they take my why did my husband die I am now more spiritual but um yeah there's no rhyme or reason so to speak why these things happen you said something so profound so beautiful that you understand that you had to become stronger for others and your story is your story, but it's not about yourself. It's about the people you can help now. Yeah, yeah. That is something that most people never even imagine. But the price was paid. You had to lose a good man to become what other people thought is the other woman. And all that happening while you are caring for your children, while was nobody there for you, these are experiences hard to describe. It's really hard to describe what is happening in in your heart when everything around you is collapsing, everything 
you believed in is gone, everything you had is gone. From that perspective, what would you tell yourself to the younger Sharon? Losing my husband it was another big loss. And I think probably the fear from being lost as a child, it all, all came together, so to speak. And I would now tell my inner child that I love her. I tell her all the time and I tell her she's safe with me. Because I always had a big fear of even if I had to drive somewhere and I didn't know where I was going, I'd get that panicky feeling like I must have done as a child and also losing my husband. But I just take a deep breath and say, it's OK, Sharon, you're safe within me and I love you. And what's the worst could happen? I'd get out the car and go into a petrol station or ask somebody how I get from A to B. Sharon, you know, this is, I interviewed thousands of people, but this is by far the most difficult interview I ever hosted because I relate to you in every single way. Oh, bless you. (laughs) Thank you. I want to thank you for gracing the stage and being the star. Oh, bless you, Dr. Marina. Thank you very much. It was my absolute pleasure and honor to be with you here tonight and to share my story with you. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by MTN Press. MTN Press is the publishing house behind niche publications like Rich Human, Sovereign and the Quantum of Light magazines, all British brands with a global reach. They deliver the good news straight to the desk of decision makers, the CEOs, presidents, CFOs, consultants, investors, influencers, bankers, PR agencies, heads of global operation to name just a few. They also offer specialized support through a range of bespoke services, tools and systems to help publishers like you grow both their presence and business. Whether you are running a blog, a niche magazine or thinking to start one, their expert knowledge in the world of publishing can give you the tools and the expertise and the confidence you need to succeed. Check them out at mtnpress.co.uk or follow the link in the episode description.